Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Mulk, and today I'm speaking to someone who describes themselves as Odd on Purpose, Andy McDowell, 2013. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Peter Taggart. Hi. Hello, Peter. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Are, are, are we cool? Are you calm? Yeah, I'm, I'm never calm, but um, I'm, I'm here and I'm, uh, you know, ready. It's weird. It's weird to be, like, so I'm in my house mm-hmm. at the moment and it's weird to be interviewing people. Like, are you interviewing me in my house and you're sitting in the chair that I would usually sit in oh, wow. to, to talk to other people. Yes. Um, but, so this is an interesting, I'm literally in the chair of a guest, so it's interesting. Well, thank you, first of all, for allowing me to come and meet you at your oh, place. No worries. Had the magical parking experience before, which was great considering that where you live is a parking nightmare. Yep. Uh, it's crazy. I don't want any guests. That's the secret of not... <laughs> so no one comes over. I want to make it as um, difficult as possible. That or they have to escape the lo- local shopping centre and they charge for parking. So it's yep. like, well, it's your, your dollar, dude. It's a nightmare. Yeah. In social settings, Pete, how do you introduce yourself? Uh, I don't um, do social settings, mm-hmm. to be honest. I, I'm a homebody and I, I don't like going places, but I guess uh, I... Oh gosh, I don't know. I I used to introduce myself as a writer, but I really... I don't do much writing these days. Um, and so I would say uh, for my job, I, I sometimes write a bit of speeches and I just work in media in general, general media. Mm. Uh, so something along those lines. I try and be a bit vague about it because I want, you know, I want to keep an air of mystery, especially with strangers. You know? mm. For the people that you're comfortable with, and they obviously then know who you are, mm. does that make it easier for you to slide into those social situations or is there still a little bit of the reluctance? Oh, look, I've I've never been to a party where I've felt extremely comfortable, even if it's a friend, you know, like there'll always be other people there and I'm immediately thrown off mm. and... Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to get invited to any parties. <laughs> but you know, I yeah, it can be a bit awkward. Mm. I find. Well, and that is totally reasonable. I mean, people's experience of social settings. I mean, we run the full gamut, don't we? There are times when yeah, this is a group of people. I'm 100% comfortable with, mm-hmm. and this is a group of people that I don't want to be around, but here I am anyway. Yeah, in those situations, I, like, just grab a bottle of wine and head to, like, the nearest corner and sit there the whole night and just uh, wait until it's an acceptable time to leave, you know? Mm. How do you judge the acceptable time to leave stuff? Always leave early, always err on the side of early, I think, you know? I'm, I'm a really good liar, like, mm. I've always been a great lives so I can usually you know pull something out of my ass I think yeah I think I just heard my ha- my house burning down I have to go <laughs> yeah that's right no so you've got to, you've got to have something that there, there's no follow there's no way they can check it's usually a stomach bug you know I'm not that creative not feeling you know, well not feeling well or just not feeling it you know I'm just not feeling <laughs> I just have to go yeah 
Do you have a uh, an emergency backstop to get out of dates when they're not playing out how you oh, hope they would? I haven't been on a date in a while. I've been in a relationship for at least eighteen or nineteen months. So, but I I've never. Oh look, I'm always probably the person that they're trying to get away from. <laughs> <laughs> but Peter. it's true. But like I, no, I never had it. I never had. I just ugh, just grit your teeth and bear it. And then like it's it's not like you have to get out of the date. It's more getting out of what comes after the date like particularly if they want to continue seeing you oh it's a nightmare like you know I I just can't tell people that I don't want to see them it's too I know what it's like on the other end of that and it's I, I can't do it but in a way not not doing that and not being honest with someone is even worse you know mm. in those situations if I if I were having a really bad date I would hope that I would be honest with someone because that's what I would want to happen to me you know yeah yeah is honesty something that is always front of mind for you or something that's a bit guarded? Um, uh, I, I try and be honest. Like I said, like, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good liar, except I've, I've gotten better with that. Like, I, try, I used to be... I remember when I first came to Brisbane, so I grew up in a, a small country town, mm. and I... I don't know. You're presenting a certain face to the world. Like, I really had this idea. I didn't really have a good idea of who I was, but I had a good idea of who I wanted to be. So you sure. present that face. And I, I don't think I'd do that anymore. Like, I'm not as... I was so pretentious when I first got to uni. I think that's probably a common experience <laughs> with young uni students. But, you know, like, I would be, you know, talking about movies that I'd never seen and books I'd never read. And, you know, just just so, I, you know, maybe someone would believe a certain thing about me and mm. I don't do that anymore so I've, I've grown up in that sense I'm I'm 100% myself in in my tastes and everything like yeah. that yeah 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 authenticity is is a great um, understanding to come to isn't it where you go okay so I've had those moments where I've pretended to be the person or read or done or seen the things this is who I am mm. and I'm comfortable in my skin mm-hmm. Come at me. If yeah. you don't like it, then that's ultimately your loss. Yeah. Yeah. And I had that experience, like the reverse. So when I came to uh, the city, I, I was presenting this very pretentious you know, exterior. And I, I don't know if I was dressing a certain way, but I used to like to dress in a lot of black, dark clothing. Mm. And, you know, like the whole, you know, I wasn't an art student, but it was a real art student look, you know. <laughs> but... Um, I yeah, and I had the reverse experience growing up in in a small country town because, um, you know, you had to enjoy like you had to almost play down your interests. So I had to like really lowbrow things, or else you know you, you you're too good, you're stuck up. You know, yeah. I had to pretend that I was watching like the footy show every week and mm. things like that, and I had to pretend that I had a NRL team and stuff like this. So yeah, I've 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 had both sides of it really, and I've. Kind Kind of settled in this highbrow, lowbrow, middle grounds now. I think I grew up for a small part of my young life in a town called Dolby, west of Toowoomba. I know Dolby well, yeah. Uh, it was only there for a little while. Prior to that was Dubbo, and then we moved to the Sunshine Coast after Dolby. So my life changed again. I had to mm. pretend to care about surfing. Yeah. Um, 
but particularly I resonate really strongly with that idea of my interests are such that particularly for me, I hadn't grown up in a farming community and I didn't know how to drive and most of my classmates did. Uh, while I didn't have to um, pretend to have a footy team, that was a pretty simple thing. There was elements of, and, and I guess this is also almost sort of the growing up process, isn't it? Is, is understanding, you know, working out what your identity is, the things that, well, no, this I'm happy to compromise on, but no, no, these things are precious to me and I want to hold them mm. close and, and true to who I am. It's a, it's a strange mix. And university just explodes that because now I have whatever my life has been, it's either the opportunity to completely reinvent myself or be exposed to so many different ideas beyond what I even contemplated there could be that I think lots of people hit uni and go, well, that's either the rebellion opportunity or it's the time when I'm going to go through my this phase, that phase, this phase, that phase, or they just go, well, no, actually, I've found my people in all of this mixed up fun weirdness stuff. Mm. I don't think I found my people right away at uni. Like, it mm-hmm. definitely took me a little while. Like, I, I don't think I had a really good friend at uni until, like, the second year. It was a pretty lonely first yeah, year because I just, you know, I, I, I hung around my housemates. I'd moved into a share house with complete strangers. Uh, there were only two of us from my town in my final year that actually went to uni, and he was... The other one was in a, a, a UQ college, and I was in a share house in Hurston. Um... So, yeah, it was really weird. It definitely took me a while to to find my people in Brisbane. And I was very guarded. Like, I I, I just, I, I wasn't very trusting and mm. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't very outgoing. I didn't want to go anywhere. So, you know, it was hard, especially for me to find people and um, being incredibly shy as well when I first got to uni, yeah. That's a pretty bold move to, for, for a shy young man from the country to move into a share house with people that I don't know. Yeah. How does that come about? Oh, well, I didn't have any other option. I mean, it was either, you know, go to a a college, which they're all at UQ. I know you don't have to go to UQ to stay at those colleges, Mm. but they're very expensive. And my parents weren't in a financial situation to put me there. I was working part-time. And that was one thing, I guess, that helped a little bit is I had a job, like just a shitty retail news agent job straight away when I got to uni pretty much. Mm. But, yeah, I didn't have any other option just to move in with complete strangers and just hope for the best. And, I mean, for three years it was great. And then I lived there, you know. Yeah, no, I lived there for three years. I think for two years it was great. And the last year was a nightmare. But that's the share house experience, you know. Yeah. You've got people moving in and moving out. Yes. New people in. Um, Yeah. And I... I can't imagine doing that now, but I guess you're very adaptable when you're 17, 18. Yeah. Was. And people's relationships within the share house, both within the occupants mm-hmm. and the occupants' relationships where they might you know, form boyfriend-girlfriend relationships yeah. with people outside, and then all of a sudden there's this extra one or two people in your sacred space. There's, well, hang on, what's, what's all this about? And it was very, you know... Uh, eye-opening too because uh, it was uh, so uh, uh, there was like uh, my housemates during that period were I had a a gay dancer and um, I had 
my friend Yana, who, who just worked at the uni and her boyfriend was staying with her. And I live with um, a trans man. And so it was, it was a bunch of people who I, I'd never known uh, another gay person. I'd never known a trans person. I'd never had any of these experiences. And uh, I, you know, this kind of thrust me into having all these different, you know, relationships and friendships yeah and yeah it was nice it's it's and that's exciting if i just moved in with a friend from you know school down here who's to say what kind of life i would have now you know you'd be off the broncos game on friday i'd be at the Broncos. is there one on friday <laughs> I, I don't think. know <laughs> i don't know the wrong person to ask <laughs> yeah. peter what challenges you what challenges me mm. oh, i don't know in, in what in what way like um either professionally or personally or creatively, what are the things or the thing that unsettles you enough to go and want to do something? Oh, like a, like a good challenge, like you, like a challenge I want to take up. You or... can share whichever you're comfortable with. <laughs> what challenges me? Well, before, before where I'm at now, like relationships really eluded me because, mm. or at least long ones, because I had... And I, and I still have so many of those issues is like, you know, um, like trust issues and yeah. uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like I was, uh, you know, really, I didn't want to get too close to people. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm having a mind blank here. I know there's a phrase for it. But like, yeah, those sorts of things. So that like alluded me until like I didn't have like a really... This is the longest relationship I've ever had, 18 months, which is probably weird for someone my age. I mean, I'm 28 this year, am I? Yeah, I'm 28 this year. <laughs> am I? <laughs> I always forget I'm terrible. Um, and I don't know, professionally, what challenges me, I... Uh, look, I love to write, and I haven't been doing much writing, as I said, lately. And that, so that's a real challenge to me because I feel mm. like I have stories within me and I have a lot of ideas, but the actual act of sitting down and, and doing it really challenges me. And, and also, uh, I guess, the fear that I could put uh, so much time into something, so I could put 12 yeah. or 18 months or two years into, into one particular thing, and for it not to be received well like it would really kill me like you know Mm. it would be really (laughs) even you know I I know everyone kind of has that fear of like oh no this is have I just wasted my time on something but I'm almost crippled by that fear yeah yeah what's it like when when you're sitting down I presume at a computer but you may handwrite when you're sitting down and the words are flowing and, and you everything's coming out on the page you're feeling really comfortable what what does that feel like is it a visceral thing is it just a sense of uh, peace and and it's the warmness? best like I when when I the few times I've had like that experience um, of just getting in that flow and you know it's like you see <laughs> like walking around the room and thinking like it, it is that way for me I like to move around and go back to the computer and you know mm. but yeah it's it's freeing it's um, like like having a really long piss <laughs> you know what I mean like, <laughs> it's just like oh this is the best I've got it out of me now you know mm. um, 
so no, it, it's exciting. And the worst thing about me though is like, um, is is what makes me bad on Twitter as well. Is that <laughs> I really want to. I just want to share it straight away. And I know that's a bad idea because you really need to look at something and edit it and actually take time to go over it. And and you need to show people you trust first. But the, the first instinct I have now when I when I finish a bit of writing is just like, oh, put it up somewhere. Mm. You know, get it out there. When I, you know, I should probably shop it around, try and get published by someone else other than me, you know, like <laughs> this kind of thing. But I just, I'm, if I'm excited about something, I want people to see it. Yeah. Yeah. And that creative drive in you is, I'm sure, also seeking some reassurance or even oh, yeah. validation that, yes, the thing that made sense coming out of my head that is now this piece. Mm-hmm comments about things that other people resonate on or allows other people to say, yeah, that actually expresses the thing that I've struggled to deliver or to explain. Yeah, that feedback is everything. I love, yeah, that's the, it's the best feedback. I mean, I, I, I think I'm kind of a bit cursed because when I was younger, like, a lot of people really enjoyed my writing and I got a lot of praise and that praise kind of dries up, you know? Like, it's <laughs> that praise isn't going to be forever, you know? And yeah. so... Uh, yeah, that, I think that feeds into my neediness for it now is that I was so accustomed to it when I was like, you know, in primary school or early teenage years and even in later high school, I went to such a small high school that, you know, anybody who could write a sentence was <laughs> thought to be a genius, you know. So that's probably really hindered my writing in a way. But, yeah, look, I, I love I love the feedback. I love the, I love the praise. But not in person, though. Like, yeah. You have to write it to me. If you if you tell me in person that you like, I've had a few occasions when I my old podcast Bring a Play, which we still might provide. But like you know, people would come up to me sometimes when they saw my name on a list of something, and they go, "Oh, you're you're that person," and they'd say something nice to me. And this has only happened a handful of times. But it's I was so it's so shy. I'm like I just fall. I want to crawl into a little box because I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's just embarrassing when someone praises you in person which which is an interesting juxtaposition to you know that that creative desire it's not just i want to get it out but that i also want to hear the affirmation but yeah don't say it to me mm-hmm. like write it down or put it on a post-it note yeah twitter facebook do those things yeah. so that i can process it in my time that's right yeah 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 and so i can go back and look at it when i am having like awful bad moments i can go well this this one person this time thought i was all right so you know yeah how do you um, acknowledging that you, you know you talked about this this being you know shy mm-hmm. person that, that doesn't sort of want to have that that not even confrontation just the interaction with people you're comfortable in your skin but that's as far as it gets you exist in a society where you do actually leave your house yeah sometimes so <laughs> are there times when it, it is super difficult how do you manage those things oh I've had times when I was supposed to be at places and um you know I just can't imagine leaving the front door like it's that's the worst that it's gotten is just like this horrendous and I, I mean, I've never gone to the doctor to be diagnosed with anything like anxiety. So mm. I'd hate to self-diagnose, and I hate when people do self-diagnose. But I am a little bit ADHD. Yeah, yeah. I know. How don't, good is that? don't do that. Um, but yeah, no. I, how do I deal with it? I, I guess 
I just have to think of it in phases maybe of like, well, this is only going to be three hours and you'll mm. be home by this time. Like I have to reason with myself yeah. a little bit. I think that's how I, I cope with that. It's, I, I enjoy um, the opportunity to speak with people and to hear their experience because for... Look, it's no surprise that I'm a, a raging extrovert. Love being with people. And, and I find it most difficult sometimes just being in my own presence. So I've got my wife and two kids. Oh, yeah, let's hang out. Let's do some stuff. Oh, yeah, whatever, whatever. Let's do those things. Dad, we have to do homework. It can wait. Uh, I, well, I've gotten better with that. But I acknowledge at the same time that my experience is not everybody else's experience. So to hear some of those things, and thank you for sharing that stuff. Well, it, it, it is, for some people, I'm happy to talk about it. It's, it's a process and I'm fine with it. Others, it's really close to, you know, the, the skin, but not anything that has busted through. So that's, that's important stuff to share. And yeah. I know that other people will resonate with it. I, I think, I hope so. Like, I mean, it's not embarrassing to like, mm. you know, like, and I, and it's not something that's really like a lot, I'll, people have it a lot worse than me, you know, like, um, and yeah, in, in a way, like it certainly helps, um, if you like a drink like me, which is bad, it can get bad, <laughs> but it does help loosen you up a little bit. I mean, yeah, but like, look, I don't <laughs> advise it. Certainly, but, you know, that's another coping mechanism, maybe. Do you have someone that you would class uh, as a, a big inspiration in your life? In terms of uh, creatively or personally or... Take your pick. Oh, yeah, like um, my mother's a big inspiration and my grandmother was. I come from a big family of very strong women who, are, you know, taught me how to be and how to, how to live life and instill good values, I think. I don't follow all of their values, but, you know, and, and they also all really encouraged me to have my own thoughts and be my own person, yeah. which is the best gift I think you can give any child is just, you know, the freedom to, mm. to run their own race and live their own life and do things in their time. Um, yeah. And creatively, I mean, it's, it's numerous. Like, um, I guess... I don't know. Uh, most of them would be writers because, you know, I did a lot of writing and I, I still write, but uh, people like David Sedaris and mm -hmm. um, who else would I class as an inspiration? I don't know. It's hard to think of, like, uh, yeah. I haven't had to think about it for a long time. This is a question I sometimes ask people, but I haven't really thought of it much myself. I mean, I'm inspired by so many, so many great, you know, writers, musicians, mm. actors, comedians, but all in, in different ways. Yes. And I'm more inspired by people who are who are creative, but also are genuine good people. You know, yeah. um, so so a lot of my inspirations, like I don't know anything about their personal life. They might be awful, and I don't <laughs> want them as my inspiration. You know, yeah. You mentioned before uh, your mum and your grandma mm -hmm. as, as people that inspire you and encourage you. Was your relationship, and I'm going to make an assumption, the relationship with your mum now sounds like it's pretty good. 
Was it always that way or is that something that you've had to work on or even mend? Because when we're kids, we do stupid things that inevitably hurt our parents. Oh, no, we always, you know, we were, it was like a friend relationship. It wasn't like, you know, Rory and Lorelai Gilmore, like wandering around town holding hands or anything. Go and be a journalist. Or Buster Bluth or Lucille Bluth, you know, it wasn't anything like that. Um, but, you know, it was, it was always good. We've never, never fought for any longer than, um, like, you know, a day. Yeah. And, and those days are very few and far between, yeah. Does mum live in Brisbane or does she still live in the she country? She lives in St Girl? George, yeah, she lives in St George. Um, so I see her every couple of months, but I talk to her pretty much every day just yeah. to check in, you know. Do you get back much? Uh, no, I haven't been home for, oh, wow, um, a long time, maybe a year. Maybe. It's not a 10-minute drive either, though. It's, it's a... Yeah, and I, yeah, it's it's a pain getting out there too, yeah. I mean, you could have applied yourself and become a journalist and gone and worked for the Boulogne Beacon, Peter. Uh, how do you know about the Boulogne oh, Beacon? Oh, look, I know a, a friend of mine, his wife used to work there. Oh, very interesting. I probably know this person. I did intern at uh, the Boulogne Beacon for two weeks just as a little personal hobby at uni during, mm. the, school, like, during the uni break. And um, I did get a front page story out of it. So Excellent. You know, that was a real accomplishment, you know. Breaking Barnaby Joyce, not a complete jerk. Oh, no, that was never a story. <laughs> <laughs> he used to be my parent's accountant. Yeah, well. Politics. That, and, and that's what he cites as his life prior to politics. Mm-hmm. I remember... Um, only anecdotally though like he was never on my radar but I remember distinctly when he popped up the first time on the Senate ticket for the Nationals as the junior senator to I think it was Ron Bosworth mm-hmm. who was the Nationals senator for Queensland and, and who for whatever reason will run this other Barnaby Joyce guy and Look at the monster he's become. <laughs> oh, look, you know, I think I think personally he, he could be quite nice. I don't agree with his politics at all, mm. and I find some of the things he said and done just, uh, you know, unforgivable and and dangerous and mm. yeah, it makes me very angry, especially because I did know him a little bit. Like, I saw him, and I also, when I in my first couple of years at uni, he was a great, great contact. Like, he'd always pick up the phone to me. Um, he was incredibly generous with his time. He used to do this long commute in the car sometimes from uh, St. George to Brisbane to get flights down to Canberra. Yeah. Because there's not many flights out of St. George. Um, and so he'd be in the car and he'd be looking for someone to talk to on those long drives. And, nice. you know, sometimes I'd score the interview when he was in the car and he'd be chatting to me about everything and look uh, you know I think he for all of his faults he's got a lot of ideas he's very passionate and you want you want somebody who's passionate in politics like that's that's the worst thing you could be is just what we all kind of tend to think about politicians is that they're in it for the wrong reasons I don't necessarily think he is in it for the wrong reasons and I think he is passionate and and that's as nice as I'm going to be about him today like you know like I hear but yeah, I mean, at least I, I thank God for, for, for uh, you know, 
politicians who actually aren't so jaded and haven't been there for, you know, 30 years and couldn't mm. give less of a crap, you know. The man who at least once a year we get to call acting prime minister. Oh, and aren't those wonderful days. <laughs> you know, I really hope nothing ever happens over Christmas. <laughs> he has to ever when Malcolm's deal with away, in yeah. any serious way, but, um, you know... Think of how many dogs he could murder around Christmas. All those, all those new puppies. <laughs> Johnny Depp, we're talking to you. Yeah. When it comes to arguments, Peter, mm-hmm. are you fight or flight? Oh, depends on who with and mm. the scenario. So I reckon sometimes, uh, sometimes fight. Um, if I'm if I know I'm right, so which I believe I am a lot of the time. Yes. Uh, and then, but like I remember years ago hearing someone, and I wish I could remember who, but just being like, you know. Don't, you don't have to fight every battle. Mm. And that's a good thing to remember on the internet as well and on Twitter is, yeah. you, you, you know, you have your opinions, you have your beliefs, but sometimes it's just good to just, like, sit back and if it's not something you have to fight and you really feel strongly that you have to fight, then just don't. Just let it slide. You, it's not worth your yeah. time and energy. And um, I think when I finally learnt that, and it's only been the last five years maybe that I finally learnt that it's it's just, yeah, just don't sweat the small stuff. Just let it let it go. Save, save yourself from, you know, more harm and anxiety, you know? They, they sound like words born from experience. Oh, maybe. yeah. I, you know, I used to... And anybody like it, the internet can be a nasty place. And anybody who wants to have a go, you know, I used to take the bait. And mm. I, I, yeah, I just couldn't be bothered. I think I, I'm working more hours now, and I just, I, who could, who could be bothered? Mm. Yeah. Which is not very good. Like, but if there's something that I really, if if the person I'm fighting with, if the person who wants to argue with me is someone I really respect then I'll definitely go in hard because, you know, I know that the place they're coming from and I don't want them to be angry with me and all of that sort of stuff. But if it's just some rando who has never spoken to me or engaged with me online before who wants to to have the argument, it's like, no, you know, like why would I... (laughs) It sounds really snowy, but why would I talk to you? (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Mr Egg. What is this abhorrent opinion that you're forcing upon me? It's like, look, you just want my time. I'm... I don't have enough time for this. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the reality, isn't it? Particularly as, uh, I mean, if we look at social media in Australia today, lots of different people now have more publicly visible profiles mm-hmm. simply because of the nature of social media yeah. and that they've said interesting things or shared interesting opinions or obsess about television or whatever the thing is. Mm. So because of that, it also means that people who want to achieve or attain notoriety in the same context can go about it a number of different ways and one of those ways is to actively come at Mm. I don't know why you'd want these these posts I don't know why you would want that like it's 
it seems like the saddest thing you could ever be. Like, mm. why, why, why would you want to put your head down on your pillow at night and think, well, that was a really good day of just mindlessly harassing people online? Mm. Like, it's awful. And people probably say that of me. I probably sound like a hypocrite because I don't mind to <laughs> mindlessly harass. But the difference between me and those people is I usually don't put their at symbol so they can see it. I do it more covertly, you know. Passive aggressively. I love to speak shit about people behind their backs, and that's always been true. <laughs> it's true online, true in my real life. You're right, because I have both seen and been dragged into mm-hmm. um, situations where two or three people, and in Twitter it's the worst, because you've only got so many characters. So instead of a, a conversation that might become a discussion, that might become an argument on, say, Facebook, where it's just lengthy posts, mm-hmm. replying to blah, 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 Twitter becomes six or seven or eight tweets for mm-hmm. someone to get their opinion out. Yep. And... If they have then started to add in everybody that's in the conversation so everybody can still see it. Yes. It's like, hang on. First of all, I'm not the person you're talking to. Don't mm. ki- don't continue with me in this. Secondly, the person that you're having this discussion about isn't engaged in this conversation, yet you're including them. So guess what they're going to wake up to? This massive long app list of why are you arguing about me and what I think? Yeah. I mean, I think, they sh- I think they should shut down Twitter, to be honest. I, I, I'm so, like, I am so <laughs> pro it being abandoned. Like, I, I, it's given, like, I'm so grateful for, for what it has given me. It's given me, like, a sense of community mm. and all those sorts of things, opportunities that I'd never have otherwise. But at the same time, I mean, what a nightmare. <laughs> like, it's, I, I don't know how you make it better, but oh, it's... And I wish I wasn't as dependent on it as, as I am. And yeah. I wish I could be like all the people I most admire are people who might pop on once every couple of days, get out like a perfectly crafted joke or something yeah. really nice, like a, just a beautiful sentence and then just leave for another five days and come back. <laughs> and I'm like, that's who I, that's who I want to be. You know, you're talking about my inspirations. Those are my inspirations. I want to be able to do that, but I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I'm still in need of that validation, which is a bit sad. Well, welcome to the last humans of Twitter podcast uh, yeah. with uh, its destructor. Oh, I don't have a hand. In, <laughs> I wish I was so powerful to be able to delete entire websites from the internet. No, I'm not, I'm not a computer hacker. I'm not like an Assange type, you know. What is the hardest truth that you've had to deliver? Oh, hardest truth. No, I don't tend to deliver hard truths. Like it's even to yourself. Uh it's the hardest truth I've had to deliver. I don't know. <laughs> I mean like coming out was like a hard but it wasn't it wasn't like a hard truth. I guess it was to myself. Mm. But the ways people found out about it were quite organic. Like people just found out, or people assumed it about me, and um, and then you know I just didn't correct them. You know, <laughs> like, like I, I think uh, I have a real. Like, I have I've got a real. I've got about eighteen rants prepared on different topics. And yeah. This one is like my uh, uh, people shouldn't have to come out rant. It's like there are a lot of burdens placed on. 
gay people in society anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and coming out is one of the like coming out is not for is in so many ways not for your own benefit. It's for the benefit of other people. And mm. I, I I just don't like it. It's like no, I don't owe you. I don't owe you anything. I don't owe you a big sobbing presentation in front of the entire family. So I just didn't do that. Like I just I was like, well, you can make these assumptions about me. I won't reveal either way if they're true or I'll talk I'll just talk how I want to talk yep. and I'll talk about being friends with gay people and dating men or whatever and then people just find out but I'm not going to do a, a big grand you know parade oh, parade <laughs> that's the wrong word I don't think anyone has re- I guess that's some, the one thing that the community does really, really well they're really good at it but I'm not but like I just yeah I don't think you owe anyone any explanation so I really it's one of the reasons I hate YouTubers as well mm. I hate the like oh confession and it's just like enough just the hand wringing oh yeah and it's 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 very attention seeking sometimes mm. I can understand why you might want to do it and I, I try not to be too judgmental about it but it's just not for me and I just don't yeah like uh, I, some people who I you know who, who found out about it like we're thinking, well, why didn't you tell me first? Why didn't you come to me first? And I'm thinking, well, I don't, yeah, I don't owe you an explanation. Like, I don't owe anyone anything. I, I don't feel like I've been lying at this time. I don't feel like a huge liar. And even if I was, like, that's, you've got to consider that's fairly acceptable. You know, I, I don't know. It's an acceptable lie to tell in so many ways. But, yeah, to myself, it was probably the hardest truth because, you know, oh, look, it's just, you know, it's worse. When you're growing up in a certain environment, it's it's like almost worse than being a pedophile in some people's opinions. Like, mm. it's the worst possible thing you can be and that's that. And, you know, and, and if you get enough of that, you start to believe it. And, I mean, I pretty much accepted it by the time it took me a while probably by the time I was 17 maybe but um, you know it was uh, it was rough like really early on like uh, 11, 12, 13 um, and you know like because I would I would like you know, you have that term, pray the gay away. Mm. I would do that for myself, you know. Like, I would try and pray the gay away a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I feel like it's gotten very serious all of a sudden. But it wasn't really. Like, I mean, that was, yeah, there were a few years of just that and thinking, mm. oh, hopefully I'll just get over it. Like, you know. You'll grow out of it. I know. And I didn't have, I never had my mum say this to me, but I've had friends who've heard it from their parents. And I know it's a thing that exists out there is like, parents tell their children well if you're gay you know it's a very lonely life Mm. and if I had heard that when I was a kid I would have believed it because you know the gay people in my town were really lonely you know they they seemed like they were very lonely and I thought gosh that's it's just that's a hard road that I don't want to go down like if I can if I can try and be something different and and not be that like not be lonely that would be great yeah but the thing is you know, it doesn't matter if you're gay or straight and out or not out. Loneliness affects everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you can't run away from loneliness, you know. Being a normal human being in yep. any town, yep. small or large, mm-hmm. can
can be very lonely. And it's a silly, it's yeah, it's it's a silly thing for for parents to tell your children that you're you're going to be lonely just because you're gay, especially nowadays. I mean, it might have mm. been true once upon a time, but if you're a parent listening to this, please stop telling your children that that's going to happen to them because it's not true. Yeah. And you know, everyone there's a there's a I believe I genuinely believe there's probably a a, a group of people out there for just about everyone. You yeah. know, especially with the onset of the internet, you can find your people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Peter, what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? <laughs> God. Uh, I'm working on a new season of my podcast clip show, which yes. I do. Uh, I interview uh, people in different walks of life, a lot of comedians and writers. Um, but I'm trying to branch out from that a bit more. But I, I'm going to do a season of that, maybe eight episodes, so hopefully that'll be out in... Uh, May or June and so that's one thing I can tick off I'd really like to go overseas I've uh, a bit more I've only traveled my you know it's quite limited I've been to the US and I've been to a couple of places in Europe but I you know I want to know if it's true if travel expands the mind because I could deal with a much more expanded mind I think um and what else? I don't know. I'm a bit mindful of setting too many goals for myself because I don't like to fail and I don't like to not achieve something. So, you know, a really good way to not fail is not set yourself any goals. <laughs> Little tip for kids out there. You can never fail if you never try. So yes, the lesson is don't try. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Peter. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. For the chance to speak with you today. Please know the things you've said are very special <laughs> and you're highly valued. My oh, thank it's you. very deep and meaningful and I hope I'm like, um, you know, people's Oprah. I hope what Oprah <laughs> is to me. You see Oprah's up on my wall right now. Yes. I, I hope... Um, I hope just in this one episode I can be a personal Oprah. <laughs> to at least just five people. Oh, to less, even less. <laughs> in fact, if you look under your chair right now, Peter's there. There's a lot of dust in my house. <laughs> if people wanted to engage with you and follow you in an internet fashion... Oh, don't. Don't do it. But that's my, Should they choose to? That's my main advice is to not, but um, it's at Peter Taggart. And all I ask of you is to... To um, just not talk to me. Just, just, just fave and retweet. But I don't want any at replies. I really don't. If I, if I could have a world without at replies, that would be great. Yep. Just don't read them. Yeah. Oh, is there a setting where you cannot read them? That would be good. I don't think there's a setting. In fact, that's the worst part. Most Twitter clients that I've found, you can't even, like some things you can change this button so that, it, you know, I want to see the metrics. I want to see just my direct messages on my profile. Mm. You can't make it so that you can't see your at replies. It's the worst. Yeah. That'll be all right once they get rid of it. Once after this episode, they take my advice and delete it. That would be, that's, we don't even have to worry about that anymore. That's good. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Peter Taggart is indeed human. Thank you.